Jesus' love was like. He loved always, regardless of the behavior of the one he was loving. He loved to his own hurt. He loved first, most, and at the cost of his life. Go and do likewise. I don't just need to feel better. I need the truth. And ultimately, that will make me better. I just want to make it as totally simple and no-brainer as possible for ladies to see that the Bible is really applicable to their everyday life. When they understand theology, the application flows out of it quickly with joy. It is a journey, but even the journey itself is joyful when I'm doing it, holding the hand of my Savior and trusting Him all along the way. This is the Joyful Journey Podcast, a podcast to inspire and equip women to passionately pursue beautiful biblical truth on their journey as women of God. When you choose truth, you're choosing joy. Well, hey, everyone. I'm Janet, back again with Jocelyn. Hello. Um, In our last episode, we focused on biblical love and defined the uh, almost inexpressible word, hesed which we saw most clearly in Jesus. Go back and listen to that for a lot more detail, but let me at least give you a quick recap. In the Old Testament, in Hebrew, the word hesed is used to describe one of the many ways to describe God's love, and we really don't know how to define it because it's such a big, big word. But in the book by Michael Card called Inexpressible, all about that word hesed, he gives a working definition, a beginning of a definition That is this, when the person from whom I have a right to expect nothing gives me everything and gives it to me freely because it pleases the one that gives it. That's amazing. I'm going to just read a couple of other quotes from his book that I read last time because I think it will at least get us back in what is Hesed because we're going to need that for this episode. Again and again. Just when a multitude of characters in the Bible realize their own inadequacy, their own sin, just when they realize they have a right to expect nothing, they receive not simply a second chance, but everything from God. A new age of trusting the Lord is born. And I think that's going to be key. If we trust this God Mm -hmm. of Hesed, how are we going to live? Exactly. And that's what we're going to talk about in this episode. He goes on to say, The great surprise of the Hebrew Bible is not that God is awesome or holy. These characteristics we would expect from God. The great surprise is that he is kind, that he is a God of hesed. And we talked about the Bible Project and their video on hesed. Here is their definition. Love, generosity, enduring commitment, promise-keeping loyalty motivated by deep personal care, not conditional an expression of the giver's character. And in that video, they make this statement as an example that God recommits himself to people who don't want to be committed to him. Wow. Let that sink in. Go back to the last episode. Revel in that truth. And this week, I want to say, so Jocelyn, how should that impact us? Yeah, let's talk about it. Okay. This was also helpful from that book. Yes, God loves us in that way. What is the expected response? God really does have the right to expect our loyalty. 
in return for his hesed. I think sometimes when we talk about unconditional love, it's like it should have no impact on how I love back. They just love because they love. Right. So I'm just going to stand here and take it when I feel like it because I've got lots of things that I'm doing and his love is just one of those things in my life. Yes. And I loved this sentence in the inexpressible book. To receive hesed and not return it leaves the initial party deeply disappointed, be it an individual or God himself. If it is not returned freely in gratitude, you have not understood the nature of the hesed that was shown to you in Mm. the first place. That's profound. I love that. If you really understood it, you would return it freely and with gratitude. When I counsel people who are I think of a a good friend of mine that we were talking about this concept and she was thinking it through and she'd been raised, she knew the Lord, but raised in a fairly legalistic fashion, but was saved. Mm -hmm. So as we were really trying to understand this concept of hesed, it made her incredibly uncomfortable. Mm. And in part, there was this, is that easy believism? Mm. Is that no matter what I do, yeah. okay, I prayed my prayer. He loves me with this Hesed love. No matter what I do, so now I can go do whatever I mm, want. That's a good question. Um, yes. And so this analogy I have found helpful. We'll mm-hmm. see. We'll see if you do. Okay. Let's imagine that you have the perfect husband. We have husbands who love God, mm-hmm. but they're not perfect. And this is not really about them. Yep. This is just saying, imagine that you really, really, really did have the perfect husband who loves you unconditionally. And I don't mean loves you wimpy. Like hardcore, comes after you with his unconditional love. Yes. When you're happy, he rejoices in that because he loves to see you happy. When you're sad, it brings him grief. When you sin, he patiently draws you back. This is not the wimpy, I need you to be happy with me, Mm -hmm. man. This is to his own hurt. He loves you. And you know that even when you sin, He's never going to walk away from you. He's never going to respond in sinful anger, but he is going to take you back to the cross every, every time and let you know, no matter what you do, he's loyal to you. Mm -hmm. He wants you to give a good account before the Lord more than you want to give Mm -hmm. one. He loves you unconditionally to your own hurt. Would that in itself encourage you to commit adultery? I don't think so. I would. Why not? Because he'll love you no matter what. Well... But if he loved me that hugely, I would want to want to respond by loving him that hugely back. Exactly. And does that mean we would never commit adultery? No, but that statement about him does not encourage you to commit adultery. And as I talked about that with my friend, she was like, no, no. Being loved like that, not wimpy love, Mm -hmm. real deep, committed love. Uncomfortable love. To his own hurt because it's best for you always. Mm -hmm. Here's what that engenders. Fierce loyalty. Mm -hmm. That's Psalm 139. David's saying, you love me like that. I hate those who hate you. Mm -hmm. Those who don't love you, they're not going to be the ones who give me advice. Anyone who would know everything about me and love me anyway, fierce loyalty. If I really understood the hesed of God for me, it would not result in good. I can do whatever Mm -hmm. I want. He's going to love me. It, it, it does not because encourage that, me to commit adultery. That wouldn't be an accurate understanding of that kind of love. If you were motivated to go do whatever you wanted, you didn't really get it. You didn't really understand it. Right. And so sometimes we do that with God, right. but it's because we don't get it. Right. It's not because easy believism. If you mm-hmm. really understood he's going to love you no matter what, mm-hmm. you would run away and do whatever you want. And mm-hmm. no, he'll always take me back. No. 
you would know that's what your soul's longing for. And you would that's what's going to satisfy me. You would respond to that with a smaller version, hopefully growing of that kind of love back. Yes. You've, he, it's been demonstrated to you and your response is now let me emulate it. I want to give that back. Mm-hmm. Yes. So then we can go back to John 13, 34 and Jesus. Now that we have a better understanding of that love from the last episode in this little bitty recap, um, he says, just as I have loved you, go and love each other. And that's how the world will know that you're my disciples, your love for each other. Now that I understand what that love really is, oh, of course the world's going to see it. Mm-hmm. If we love each other like that. It looks so foreign, weird. Yeah. It's like not that's not normal kind of love, according to everyone around us. Yes. I, in the college ministry, the, sometimes the kids would talk about, I'm trying to figure out how to stand out in class and how to be different. And at some point, someone even said, you know, I don't listen to certain music so that they can see that I'm different. And I'm like... If you love like this, you don't have to try to be different. <laughs> You're going to stick out like a sore thumb. You just are different. Because the world doesn't, they can't love like this. They don't understand that example. It hasn't struck them in a way that blows them over. So they wouldn't love with the kind of love that Jesus has because if they understood that love, they would be his. They would be drawn to it. Yes. So we will be different. Yes. So just the summary from the last episode about what Jesus's love was like. He loved always, regardless of the behavior of the one he was loving. He loved to his own hurt. He loved first, most, and at the cost of his life. Go and do likewise. Mm. So when I think about what that would look like in our lives, and I talk to women, some of whom are in incredibly painful marriages, Mm. thinking through biblical love, and here is the way it gets twisted. If I'm going to love him, I need to please him. Hmm. I need to make him happy because that's what love is. Hmm. And I think sometimes we say that we need to please other people. I need to be more concerned about pleasing him than myself. But I think we have to be really careful about that because love, biblical love, is always pointing people to righteousness. Yes. Always. Always. That's what Jesus did. He died for that. That was his whole point. He loved in order for people to be able to live according to his standards of what is right and good. Exactly. So then how are we going to love? And then so there's that confusion of saying, but when I do that, it makes him angry. Mm. When I do this, he says, you don't love me. Mm. So so challenging. uh, Here is a phrase that I use to help people to think through biblical love provides an environment that makes it easy for the other person to do the right thing. Mm, That's very helpful. That's biblical love. And sometimes it means encouraging someone who is doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it means helping someone who's weak so they can do the right thing. Sometimes it means rebuking. Yes. That is love. That is love. If you're pointing them toward righteousness. If that's my goal. Mm Mm-hmm. So there is nothing wimpy about biblical love. It means saying to that wife, when your husband behaves in that way, love doesn't just ignore it Mm. because he's the man I'm trying to submit. Love says, honey, I love you too much to let that go Mm -hmm. without saying to you that displeases God. Mm -hmm. Now, it's not, don't you be talking to me that way. Mm -hmm. No, it's hard. Like I have to die to self because here's what I had. I've had more than one woman say to me. He's going to get so mad Mm -hmm. if I do that. I know. Love to your own hurt. Mm -hmm. That's right. Love is 
hard. There is nothing easy or wimpy about that kind of love. It is supernatural. It means I have to be more concerned about your standing before God than my standing before you. Yeah. And I need the help of the Spirit. I can't do it. I cannot do this. And real love, Jesus's kind of love, was never about keeping people happy with him. People were unhappy with him all the time. Yeah. And he continued loving them even in the middle of that. Yes. So love is not just making people pleased with you, keeping people happy with you. It is actually giving of yourself to serve them so that they're in the best position to have a life filled with righteousness. Yes. And thinking long term, Mm -hmm. when they stand before the Lord, my heart's desire is that they give a good account. But I have to tell you, sometimes that's not my heart's desire. It's after the way you've treated me. Yeah. I hope God gives you what for when you stand there. Yeah. Then to go, okay, that's selfish. That's not loving to my own hurt. You have hurt me. I'm Mm -hmm. done. Mm Mm-hmm. But that's not biblical love. And I, what I love is when you taste that, there's so much freedom there. Because now my love is not tied to you experiencing mm-hmm. it and agreeing and with me. And your response, yeah. Because I, and I have to talk with wives about that. And people who have to confront their friends who are saying, if you were my real friend, mm-hmm. you would be encouraging yes. my happiness. Yes. How about your holiness? Mm-hmm. So I want that for you, even if you don't. I just recently talked with somebody else and said... This is an opportunity for you to say to your friend, I love you so much that I am willing to risk you hating me Mm -hmm. by sharing with you that you need to repent. And aren't you so thankful to have Jesus' example in John 13 of loving people outrageously and seeing what anguish he felt in the middle of that. It's helpful to know that example because loving this way is hard and it is painful and it's not going to feel like butterflies and fairy tales that at times loving this way is going to be difficult and it's going to be painful. But I'm so thankful that we have the example, especially in John 13 of what it looked like for Jesus to persevere in the middle of it for this joy that was set in in front of him. Yes. Yes. Because he specifically says when they talk about Judas was going to betray him and he knew it, he was deeply distressed. Mm -hmm. Yes. That's upsetting. And I can still love. Yes. Because more important than how I feel is loving you. Yes. That's amazing. But there is freedom there because Mm -hmm. I can do that. Mm -hmm. Now I need the help of the spirit. I I can't do it without the help of the spirit, but I will have the help of the spirit if I'm God's Mm -hmm. and I'm choosing to love that way. He's going to help me. I'm not concerned about whether or not the spirit's going to do that. And I can go to bed with a clear, conscience and a quiet soul no matter how the other person responded when I know that was what I did and that was why Mm -hmm. it's not it didn't work because he didn't repent Mm -hmm. it didn't work because he's mad at me it didn't work because my friend now says I don't really care about her if I love toward righteousness that's all I was asked to do I'm not asked to be responsible for the results and if you're loving toward righteousness and you lay your head down you're not going to be looking back over the day, scrambling to try to figure out how you can get everyone to be happy with you, which is often what happens at night when your goal for love is wrong. If your goal loving is to get them to love you back or to be happy with you or to be your friend or whatever, you're going to lay in bed obsessing, stressing about how to make sure that happens. But if what you're trying to make sure happens is loving like Jesus loved, then you are accomplishing the goal no matter how the results turn out, which is so freeing to not feel like I have to spin my wheels forcing things to happen 
what needs to happen is me loving the way that I have been loved by Jesus in his example. Yes. And it's Psalm 131, wrestling my soul down and not involving myself in matters too great Mm -hmm. for me. Getting people to like me, that's a matter way too great for me. But as a natural people pleaser, when I lay down, that's the battle. Mm -hmm. I did what God said and now they're mad at me. And now they're saying, they're telling all their friends that I'm self-righteous and (laughs) God, okay, so then here's the wrestling down. Okay, Lord, was I self-righteous? Mm-hmm. Examination. Okay. Because we want to be humble. Yes. So was I self-righteous? No, I didn't even want to talk to her, but I knew I have to because yeah. I love her. Okay. So I can think through that and then know that's a sweet smelling fragrance before the Lord. Mm. Then I can wrestle my soul down and go, okay. And We're now We're in a good I place. can stop thinking about mm-hmm. me and yep. I can pray for her. Yes. Which I can is, think about her. Which is further application of this whole concept of love so how do you continue to give of yourself for their benefit even in those moments when you're laying in bed obsessing through whether you did it right yes the next step is to keep loving her just like jesus kept loving his yes and so then i get the privilege of not how do i what do they think about me what is that now i can say i've wrestled that down and now i get to think of them yes and there, there is such such freedom there and to know when others see that kind of love, talk about a bright light that mm. will draw people to him. Absolutely. Um, and what a privilege. It's so privilege. supernatural. It doesn't belong in this world. This world is self-centered, self-focused, self-obsession. And so anyone who doesn't live that way is going to stick out like a bright candle in a dark room. Yes. It doesn't look like anyone around them. That, one of the biblical examples I like, we won't have time to read the book of Ruth, But in the book of Ruth, you see Naomi and her husband and sons leaving the country for a famine. Her sons and husband all die. She's alone with her two daughter-in-laws who are from another culture. Mm -hmm. And she's now going to come back home. Her daughter-in-law, Ruth, to her own hurt, says, I will be faithful to you, Naomi. Naomi has nothing to offer her. She doesn't even want her. No, she tells and her she, to go. She tells, she tells her to go, go back, back home. home she, no, I am committed to you and to your God. And we're told in the Bible that that was an example of hesed, mm. of giving out of the giver's character, out of an affectionate desire to because she loved Naomi and gave all that she had, mm-hmm. worked hard when she came back so she could support Naomi. Like all that she did, motivated by deep personal care at her own expense. And later in that book, Boaz, the man she ultimately marries, says, May you be blessed by Yahweh, my daughter. You have made this last kindness pursuing to marry Boaz for right biblical Mm -hmm. reasons instead of a young stud Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, greater than the first. So your kindness in this, your hesed in this is even greater than your first hesed. So she is such an example to that. But John 13 Obviously, there's our perfect example, mm-hmm. and we've been talking the about that. The most excellent example. So, and if and I would say that if this is a concept that is new or difficult to understand, what I have really found helpful is listening to the New Living Translation of the Bible out loud while I do things, mm. especially the book of John, because it talks about Jesus constantly so throughout that book. But especially chapters 13 through 17, if you would like to learn how to live this way, listening and reading and imagining what it would have been like for Jesus to actually take this big, big concept and live his daily life with it would be really helpful because 
he lived a real life. That was one of the things that was so amazing about him being completely God. He added on a human body. Like he didn't just theorize this. He lived it with weakness in his human body, just like we have weakness in our human body yep. with the same kind of emotions that we have, obviously for him, never with sin. Right. But his example is critical in learning how to do this in our real life. It's not just a theory. It's not just something that we think about. It has to have flesh on it. It yes. has to have a life that supports it. A very common counseling assignment that I've been giving in the last few years, because I would say for maybe everybody that I've counseled, I know it's a big word, but I think so, at least part of why we're struggling is a wrong view of God. Oh, yeah. And one of the ways to reorient that is sometimes Matthew, but usually John, I will ask them to read a chapter a day and write down what is Jesus like just in this chapter? Mm. Why should I trust him? Mm, that's cool. So they may have already heard it before, but now they're looking. What mm -hmm. do I see here? What do I see? Well, I see he's powerful. It says, but his word, he created everything. I mm -hmm. see this, I see that. And then I see he chose to become human. And then I see the, the compassion. And then I see he was always so patient. And then I see, hey, so I'm reorienting mm -hmm. my view of God to what God says about him, yes. which I'm going to see Hesed. Using his own word, yeah. I'm going to see Hesed. Yeah. Why should I trust him? Because at that point, I'm not trying to get them to do, I want them to revel. But I think a great third question as I'm listening to the New Living Translation and I'm mm -hmm. listening to it and being washed by it is to say, what would that look like for me? Yes. How do I yeah. live this out? Yeah. What are some ways that the people around me could see Jesus's example of love being lived out with my two hands, yes, with my mouth, with the way that I think about things, with my feet, the places that I go. This is real, not theoretical. This yes. is applicable. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about just some scenarios, some practical application. There's way more than we could do, but let's at least do some. Okay. In a conversation I had recently with someone, a very common thing came up. Basically, do I say something or not? That was the question she was asking me. On the one hand, I need to say what is true and not be a wet blanket. Right. On the other hand, well, sometimes I'm just trying to get everybody to listen to me and it's all about me. Mm -hmm. So how do I decide? Frequently, they're trying to figure out the balance of when to speak and when not to speak. And, and I get the phrase, but really it's how do I get off the scale of it's about me? Mm. Yeah. And so in a scenario, that's how I'm going to decide. For example... One ditch. I'm afraid to upset anybody, so I agree with everything. Mm -hmm. That was me growing up. I was afraid of everything and everybody. And I had opinions, but you weren't going to know what they were. So, I mean, I can remember going to a restaurant and talking so quietly that the waiter misheard me, brought mm -hmm. me the wrong food, and I and wouldn't say anything. And you never complained. No, I'm not going to say anything. So, would it be wrong to communicate that? No. And it's my own fault. Like They couldn't hear me. But my fear, I don't want anybody upset with me. I don't want rejection. So I don't want you to be able to reject me, to make fun of me, or to not be pleased with me. So I'm not going to speak. Okay, that's a really bad reason not to speak. Or how about, I'm no doormat. Mm -hmm. I know what I'm talking about. I need to be heard. I have a right to be heard. And actually, if you would all just listen to me, the world would be a better place because <laughs> I clearly know how things ought to be. You know, so talk about extremes. My own example again, <laughs> I, I wanted to be that. When you're over here, yeah. that's what I thought was the answer. Yeah. Which of course is still extreme. about self. Yep. One's about it's both about what do people think of me? Yes. And 
I have to protect myself or I have to be aggressive, but it was still all about me. And I'm going to date myself. Most of the people listening won't know who this is, but there was a rock star. Her name was Pat Benatar. I don't know if you know who I she is. I do not know, but of I can't wait to hear this. <laughs> of course you don't. But she was my height, so she was little. Oh, I'm 5'1", for those who've tiny never seen rock me. Star. She was a very tiny rock star. So I could relate to her in that way. And my favorite song of hers was Hit Me With Your Best Shot. Okay, I do know that one. Yes. <laughs> we roller skate to it. There you go. <laughs> Hit Me With Your Best Shot. And my thing is I want to be strong like that. I want it to be, I don't even care. Yeah. Hit Me With Your Best Shot and I will just come back. So that was my desire to not be the people pleaser was to be Pat Benatar. Yeah. So is it selfish to speak like Pat Benatar or is it selfish not to speak? And I would say in those scenarios, yes. Both. Both are selfish. It's not about speak or not speak. It's about, am I, is my love focused on me or on you? Mm-hmm. What is motivating the speech? Yes. So it's not a matter of balancing the ditches. It's mm-hmm. getting off that road mm-hmm. of self. I'm not afraid of what you think of me. So I'm not afraid to speak if that's what would love you the most. Mm-hmm. But I don't need to speak. I don't need everybody to know my opinion all the time because what's more important is loving you. Mm-hmm. Then over time, I'm going to grow to be more discerning. Mm -hmm. When do I speak? And when do I not speak? I'm not doing it to be affirmed. Mm -hmm. I'm not clamoring. Out of love for God and out of love for you, I'm going to speak if it would be helpful and loving. And the way you speak will be helpful and loving. If that's why. Right. Yep. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. So if that means I need to confront you, if that means I need to encourage you, or if that means I need to listen to you mm-hmm. and not share my thoughts. So I know in counseling, we do awkward things. Like if you battle the idol of, I need to be heard, then I have said to people, this week, you may not share any opinion about anything unless someone specifically asks you, so it would be weird if that's you won't. That's hard. That's so, that's a hard assignment. Yeah. Especially if that's your, If, you if know, it's your gig. Yeah. Yeah. And then not because it's always wrong to speak. Right. But because, because we're going to kill that. Just because we need to be aware of how often that is why we speak. Yes. And then to decide later, when should I speak, mm-hmm. you know? Or if my fear of man means I don't typically, then I need to prayerfully think about what would loving you look like right now? What would I say? And then I need to choose to say, mm. it. you know, so again, because I love you, I want to make it easier for you to give a good account. Mm. So I get off the pendulum of self mm-hmm. either way. That's how I have to think about when to speak or when not to speak. I love it. The topic of love, this big, spiritual, rich, theologically deep topic applied to communication, to our mouth. Yes. I'm a communication major. That was my major in college. And I've often thought, oh, why couldn't we have learned this kind of communication <laughs> in college? <laughs> I needed this way more than I needed some of the other stuff that I learned. <laughs> One of the applications that I thought of about this topic is the topic of addiction. Mm. And for most of my professional life, I worked with women who were in one form of addiction or another. And if we're going to be totally honest, I kind of feel like we humans are really good at being addicted to the things that we think are going to make us happy. There's just certain things society focuses on more with addiction, but we all battle. So like I helped a lot of people, but I have my own things that I struggle to be honest and vulnerable about. But when I think about this topic of love, so John 13 kind of love where Jesus was just pouring himself Mm. out for 
the benefit of everyone around him consistently choosing to speak when it was right, not speak when it wasn't right, teaching, encouraging, loving outrageously. What would it be? What would my experience of fighting an addiction be like if I was really convinced of that kind of love? Mm. And it, when I'm caught in a sin that where I'm tangled up in it like an addiction, I wouldn't try to hide it. I would allow it to be open and I would allow it to be seen because if Jesus really loved me and that kind of John 13 kind of love, he already knows the depths I've been willing to go to get what I really believed would help me to be able to live life. And that example that you shared in the uh, the previous episode, what would devastate me if I lost it? In addictions, what fuels me to go deeper into my addiction and create even craftier tools is this imagined devastation at losing the thing that I'm confident will help me. Yep. So I keep on doing this addictive behavior because I my can, soul needs it. I cannot imagine living yeah. with whatever it is that that tool is providing for me. So all these addictions, we give them so much value. They're just the tools that we developed that would give us this thing that we think we could not possibly live without. So. I'd be devastated at losing what, what, like the relaxation that pot gives me. Yep. Or I'd be devastating at giving up this self-directed vengeance of self-comfort that self-harm gives yes. me. Yes, yes. But if I am convinced of John 13 kind of love, I can understand that when Jesus sees me worshiping myself through any of those addictions, using all of those disgusting, dehumanizing tools, drugs, alcohol, self-harm, illicit sex, whatever, whatever, whatever whatever your addiction is. The very reason I was willing to use them, like I'm worshiping my own sense of justice or I'm needing my own comfort or I'm pursuing some form of happiness that I think will make me want to stay alive. He still poured out himself in the middle of me while I was dehumanizing myself and pursuing tools that were defiling me. If I saw and believed that kind of love, it would swallow up my own self-love that fuels my addictions. Mm. The struggle then with addictions becomes like you've built some pretty solid habits for yourself of how to deal with life using that tool. Sure. So it takes, you know, it takes some. But it would motivate while. you. Yeah. It'd it motivate w- you to do that work. The understanding of Jesus's yep. love would motivate me to kill my own sin every day. Because you would see it's inferior. I would see that it's inferior. Yep. And. Yep. That my own attempts to love myself were so pathetic and empty and left me constantly needing more, deeper, stronger, whatever. It destroys you. Your love will destroy you. And it takes me to uh, the gospel primer, the one that's liberation from Mm self-love. Oh, yeah. I love that. If I really, what's going to liberate me from self-love? Not, I'm a martyr, I don't care about me. Mm -hmm. How about knowing that there's somebody who loves you better than you love you? It's and with an addiction, uncom- your love is killing you. Right. It's that uncomfortable place still that we talked about in last episode is like, it just wigs me out to know that someone sees me that terrible. Yes. And still loves me. I, I can't imagine it. It's uncomfortable. It's so uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. So how about a wife? So you can tell I do a lot of counseling with wives. How should then a wife respond to a husband's sinful behavior? So... Number one, we all sin, husbands and wives. I just talk to the wives. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking behavior that just kind of irritates me. Mm-hmm. This Difficult. is sin. Yeah, really hard This stuff. is sin. Here's some options, I guess. She could say nothing and stew. We see that a lot. 
um, give the cold shoulder until she can't anymore, mm-hmm. and then she can blow up. Yep. She can t- tell others because I got to get it out, mm-hmm. and then I get to just gossip. I see this a lot. Isolate emotionally, mm. so it won't hurt anymore. Yeah, it does seem like it might work. You know. Yeah, and if your goal is no pain, yeah, it might. It might work. It might. Yeah. Um, and quite frankly, I've done all those. <laughs> yeah. So have I. I was just looking at the list, thinking like, why I'm not qualified to speak on this. Yes. Yeah. Well, who is right? <laughs> And I would say all of that is on that pendulum of yeah, self. Yep. And I call that pendulum itself pity to self-righteousness, yeah. but all self. Yep. Poor me, I'm amazing. Poor <laughs> me, I'm amazing. And those are the ways <laughs> that I respond. What a swing to live on. Yeah. How confusing for our families. And biblical love says, get off that pendulum. And I need to think about what would it look like right now mm. in the midst of my husband's sin to love God So part of that is believe his love for me. Mm -hmm. That's one way I love him right in that moment. Mm -hmm. I believe you love me the way you say you do. So now I don't have to protect me. Mm -hmm. I'm free to focus on loving my husband. Mm, That's beautiful. What would that look like? So I will communicate. But in reality, here's then what that tends to look like, especially if I've been holding it in. And then I say, my counselor said I need to communicate the (laughs) truth. And I have to speak the truth. God is a God of truth. So now I do it, but not out of love for him because I'm sick of it. Yeah. So we're back on the self-righteous scale. Not taking it one more second. Yes. I'm on the self-righteous scale. I don't want to put up with that anymore. I'm hurt. I'm angry. I got to get it off my chest. You deserve it. I'm going to give it all to you. I need you to understand how your behavior impacts me. I need you to change. And here's a red flag for you. If you're saying I need... And the next word is not Jesus. You're gonna. You got a problem. <laughs> That's not biblical love. Exactly. That's not biblical love motivating that. But that will come out a lot. I just need you to yeah. know. I just need you to stop. I just need. And it's like actually. You remember from our joy episode, and then, <laughs> and then I'll be happy. <laughs> <laughs> so what does that look like? Yes, I, and I have women say this to me too. You're right, Janet. I have to work on my own bitterness and anger. But in the meantime, what do I say to him? Mm-hmm. And here's what I have to say. You have to say nothing to him until you deal with the bitterness and anger. Yeah. Matthew 7 is pretty clear. Get the log out of your own eye first. Then you'll see clearly now your motive can be because I love you. Yeah. I must say. Mm-hmm. I remember talk, years ago talking to a wife whose husband was involved in some pretty, it was bad stuff. And um, she looked at me and she goes, you're telling me I can't say anything to him about it until I deal with my sin. And I said. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> kind of what I'm saying. She goes, it's going to be pretty quiet. I'm like, I know. So let that motivate you to deal with your sin. And sister, we've all been there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, an example in my own life that still surprises me. Years ago in our marriage, Brent and I, I, I don't know, something happened. We were in a problem of some kind. And I was really angry with him. And I really, 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 really believed he was 90% at fault. <laughs> and I really wanted to go confront the fire out of him. But here's what I also knew. Get the log out of your own eye. I knew too much truth, quite mm, frankly. Yeah. It was a roadblock be between me ignorant. and my sin, yeah. which was great. So I remember, I don't know why the bathroom, I'm guessing the kids were little. I got on the bathroom, on the floor in the bathroom, and I'm like, okay, I know that right now I am being entitled or whatever it was, and that's wrong. But he shouldn't have did it. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I just need, it took me probably literally 20 minutes oh my on goodness. my knees. What an argument. I know, to have with me yeah, and with God. And till I was finally, I just thought, regardless of anything else that happens, I need to clear my own conscience before God. I need to confess. I need to truly agree with him, not just say, I know I'm supposed to. And I wrestled my soul down, took a long time. So the quiet soul, it was like, I know that that was wrong. I need to handle that with him. 
And now, after doing that, I will be in a position to love him by sharing his fault. And I got up and realized I had nothing to say to him. He hadn't done anything wrong. It was all you. And I know that. I mm. really, 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 really believed. Mm. I was sinful, but he was more so. But I couldn't deal with it till I got the log out of my eye. And I got the log out of my eye, and I literally had nothing to say. Mm. And that was so good for my soul to go, look how easily deceived yeah. you are. You really thought that it would be righteous for you to share with him that this isn't right. You so couldn't see. Mm. So we what have great to do that first. Of that point. Oh, well, glad I could live that for you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for being so bad. <laughs> I wish we could relate. <laughs> oh, goodness. So another way that I sometimes think about this is my ability and willingness to be persistent. And when I was listening to you explain in John, the John 13 kind of love where Jesus just over and over and over mm. was loving and loving and loving to his hurt, even while people were getting ready to deny him, while Judas was getting ready to be, betray him, like thinking about what that looked like for Jesus to wash Judas's feet, knowing what was getting ready to happen. I think about I well, like immediately, just because of my self-focus, I think just immediately thought of like how unable I would be to do that. Yeah, I do a lot of exercises because I have a kind of a funky back. And so I'm trying to keep it healthy. And sometimes when I'm like holding this pose and my muscles are starting to burn, what motivates me is the knowledge that I only have to hold it for three more seconds. Yeah. And so I'm telling myself, you can do it. You can do it. It's only three more seconds. And I was just so struck when we were thinking about the John 13 living out of love that Jesus didn't say, okay, just love him for a couple more minutes. Then you can go back to thinking about yourself. Yes. He never, he never motivated himself with the fact that his need to love people would be done soon. Loving people is who he is. Yes, he doesn't want it to be over. He doesn't want it to be over. It's crazy. Even though that kind of love was so costly for him. Yes. And I am an inherently selfish person. I, I, I really think about myself more than anyone else. I don't want that to be true, but it, it is practically. Fellow traveler. Uh, yeah. So I think like when I am outrageously loving someone is what's motivating me that it will soon be done and I can go back to thinking about myself because if that's what's motivating me, it's absolutely sinful. That's a wicked way to think about love. Yeah. That soon it will be done so I can go back to thinking about myself. Thinking about myself is the absolute wrong thing. Like that pendulum that you said, thinking about myself and my own, what I'm getting out of the situation isn't the point of biblical love. Right. Biblical love is about how can I forever give up myself to serve the people that are around me, to love them more deeply, to make their experience more likely that they would pursue righteousness. And so it's been really good for me to think about long-suffering love, mm. not just loving so that I can go back to doing what I want, which is whatever I want to do at the moment, just mostly not Without doing, guilt, because I've already yeah, loved. because I loved, I did my thing. <laughs> and so I appreciate what you said about really having to battle with your mind because that kind of love is hard. Yeah. I have a friend who I have had the privilege of walking through life with. And her last several years have been pretty terrible. Yes. Very, just some devastating medical diagnosis. And 
an event happened a couple of weekends ago that was just so striking in how we can get into a, a bad place if our head is not correct with this kind of love. And so I asked her permission to share this with you, and she said I was free to share as much as I wanted. So the question in my mind starts with, what would your life look like if you knew that tomorrow you were going to die? Mm. That's what Jesus was doing in John yes, 13. That's exactly, literally what he was literally, doing. Literally, I will die tomorrow. And just like you said, like, what would that day have looked like for us? Right. It would have been like Mother's Day, my birthday, yes. and yes. every Christmas on steroids. Absolutely. Everyone should be catering to me yep. and worshiping After me. After what I'm going to do. Yep. So... The way this worked with my friend is that she has been struggling some very terrible diagnosis over the last couple of years. And we were very concerned that one of the bad diagnoses might be back. Yes. And so she had an appointment on Monday to go get checked for that diagnosis. And the knowledge that on Monday she might find out that the cancer was back completely derailed her for the weeks leading up to it. And it was so difficult right? thinking that I might be getting a death sentence on Monday. We already thought we had a death sentence. God conquered it, but we might be back in this place. And, and um, I can't do this again. And I can't do this again. Yep, I can't yep, go through this again. Totally. And so when she wasn't thinking about how could she go into that situation with those doctors and do nothing but love them, look for the ways that they needed to be encouraged or supported or think God custom chose this situation so that I would have to be in those offices at that moment for the reason of demonstrating Jesus's love. Her focus was folded in on herself. She was afraid, rightfully so. We understand it's scary to have a diagnosis like that, but her focus was very inward and she was only able to think about how scared she was. But as she took some time to reorient herself to what biblical love looks like. And how she has been loved. She can trust the God asking this of her. She can live that out to other people regardless of what that diagnosis will be. And I had never thought about that for myself before. Outside of the explanation of John 13 that I've heard you give before is, what would my last day on earth look like? And I think that's maybe a good way to kind of wrap up our applications is, Mm What would your last day look like if you knew that you were living tomorrow? Would you seek out to love that kind of way? Would you outrageously pour out yourself so that somebody else was in a position where where they could experience God's love and be urged toward God's righteousness? So I'm thankful for her allowing me to share that example. It was a tough weekend. It was a tough couple of weeks as she got herself ready for that test that God allowed her to experience and showed her ways that she needed to grow in living out Jesus's kind of love. And in that, he was drawing his heart close to her while she was not doing it well. Yeah. This is what I love because what I would hate is to come to the end of this because we've talked about some really hard, supernatural ways to love. Yeah. And for women to walk away from this going... I'm trying, but I'm not doing it. Now I feel even worse. Mm-hmm. Like I'm loved like yeah. this and I'm not loving back the way I should. Yeah. And now what's wrong with me? Yep. And well, everything, quite frankly. <laughs> and that's okay. Like the same heart that Jesus showed his disciples is the heart he shows us, even when we're trying to grow in this love and mm-hmm. failing. 
we will never. That's why I wanted us to spend the first week just saying, mm-hmm. just revel in the just fact that he did soak it. Soak it in, yeah. And now I will grow in doing it, but mm-hmm. I will never be it. Mm-hmm. And the goal is not to perfection. be Jesus. Yeah, the not, it's not perfection. It's, it's to growth. just to keep growing. So how do I do that? So yeah. number one, if I'm really thinking about love at this level, it should draw me to my knees. Mm-hmm. I can't do it. Mm-hmm. I cannot do it. I need his help. I need his power. I need his mind. And he offers all of it. So to think I'm so busy loving people, I don't have time to spend with God. That doesn't even make sense. Yeah. I can't love people. You have to be connected to the source of love to love this way. Yes. Then I would say, taste and see. Mm. You know, when I act in faith in counseling, I say it this way. We go through the gospel primer usually, and I have them. Part two is the actual gospel. And I have that we talk through the the parts of the gospel that are hard for them to believe are true. Mm. And usually it's about God's love. love. Yeah. And so I will say to them, I want you to pretend this week that you actually believe this one sentence. Mm. And I want you to act the way you would act if you believed it. Mm. And what I'm really telling them is don't go by your emotions. Yeah. Choose to believe. But because we don't really know what it means to not listen to our emotions, we know what pretending is. (laughs) So I will say, imagine, pretend Mm -hmm. you believed it. What do you think would be different? And one of them said, I probably wouldn't even get mad if somebody cut me off in traffic. Probably not. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to tell you, don't respond that way so Mm -hmm. put somewhere what if I really believed this and then do that act Mm -hmm. like you do believe it because that's choosing to believe it then you get to taste and see that it is the most satisfying then you get to come back and go that was actually freeing Mm -hmm. yes yes saturate your mind with God's hesed for you that's the only way we're so convinced that our version of love is what we need Yes. But we're going to feel the most satisfied when it's Jesus's version of love that we're reveling in yes And that is going to help us when we discuss next week's topic. So let me first say thanks for joining us again today. And as always, you can find a link to this transcript and find all the resources that we've mentioned in our show notes. But next week, I really do hope you'll come back. Next episode, we are every other week for those trying to figure out when we come out every other Friday. We're going to discuss the incredibly uncomfortable topic of unjust suffering. Mm. The fact that we have received God's hesed, the fact that he loves me that way does not mean I will not suffer. And it does not mean that all of my suffering will be just. Mm -hmm. Just ask Joseph. But his hesed does impact how I view it and how I respond to it. Mm. Listen as we discuss this next time. To keep from missing any future episodes, please sign up for our newsletter on our webpage, joyfuljourneypod.com. From there, you can also subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Google, or Spotify. You can also visit us on our Facebook page or Instagram at Joyful Journey Podcast. If you have any questions or comments for us, you can also email us at joyfuljourneyquestions at outlook.com. Joyful Journey Podcast is a ministry of Faith Bible Seminary. All proceeds go to offset costs of this podcast and toward scholarships for women to receive their MABC through Faith Bible Seminary.